Welcome to the Jerry T Podcast. I'm joined by Dave Shields. And this is kind of weird because I just saw you yesterday, but hello. Only a day ago. I know. I slept like three times since you left, so it feels like Dude, same. Same. I slept when I got home. I woke up for a couple hours. I was like, we're not done yet. And then cats woke me up a few times. So, I mean, it's it was like three or four, but it was good. I had a good time. Went to Boston. Uh, I, like, it was Thanksgiving weekend, but we didn't really do any Thanksgiving stuff. I, I know you probably did, but I did not, so. Yeah, I did on Thursday, right? You got here Friday. So, you did a Friendsgiving thing, too. We got that out of the way. Yeah, yeah, true. But in, in Boston, I did not get the, the Thanksgiving experience, which... I was I was kind of trying to avoid. You know, I went to an RCQ instead of going yeah. to Thanksgiving. Listen, um, man, we had good food and friends. If that's not what Thanksgiving's about, I don't know what it is. Yeah, fair. Uh, colonizer holidays, though, you know. Yeah, not not great, but uh, it was a very fun time. I'm definitely going to go back. Conveniently, there is an SCG event in Hartford, a place that I've never been to. I think the state of Connecticut is one that I've never been to. Yeah, it's like the weird no man's land in between Boston and New York. Yeah, where uh, as far as I know, like Ross Merriam is from and he's the only person. He's the only person I've ever met from there. Yeah, T- to me, like when you say Ross and Connecticut, there's like a crew of people that that represents, but effectively the same thing. Yeah, so uh, we're, we're going to be doing that. Uh, that's kind of cool. I don't know exactly what our plans are. Uh, they also just announced Atlanta today, I think. Wait, what? That's news to me. Yeah. So this is April. Oh, I'm kind of excited that they're just cranking these out, man. Where April do they f- announce these? April 5th. Uh, Someone, I think Mason sent it to me on Twitter. Because like I'm on Star City's website and I don't even see anything past Cincinnati yet. Oh, yeah. It's not up there. So Cincinnati, then Hartford, then Philly, then Atlanta. That's exciting. So we're, we're going to be busy. Yeah. I mean, I'm T minus 34 days until baby, but who's counting? You are. Yeah. You are. Every yeah. day. I heard you say the number and I heard Janet get more and more mad at you. <laughs> I'm just, I'm trying to like soften the blow of like that incredible realization that happens when you like realize it's right around the corner. Like it's still going to feel surprising when it happens. You know how it works though, man. If If you were... The one carrying the baby, you would just be like, yeah, 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 like 34 days, yeah, yeah, 20 days, whatever. And then at some point it would hit you where you're just like, oh, it is six days away like that. This is serious. Yep. Fair. So I like mean, the daily countdown doesn't do anything except when she says, hey, stop doing this. You just keep doing it. <laughs> Listen, she tells me to stop doing this to like virtually everything that I do. Right. So some amount of it has to be like rhetorical or sarcastic or something of that nature. Or you're very bad at following directions. And she be, is very good at communicating, but it can it can be both. Yeah, ultimately, who's to say? Yeah, who could, could who be. could possibly know? But so if all goes according to plan, I have three or four weeks of like the calm before the storm. You have some magic to play. Then baby comes, and we have another three or four weeks until Hartford. Yeah, I got nothing this weekend. There are a couple things I could go to, but I'm not gonna. And then Eternal Weekend next weekend, which is kind of meh as far as like the tournaments are concerned. But I get to hang out with Brian Gottlieb. Jealous. Which is the whole reason I'm going. I'm jealous of the Eternal Weekend part two for whatever that's worth, but that's a different thing. 
Yeah, dude, it's kind of weird because when I was playing the RCQs in DC, they had finally posted the schedule for their side events and stuff. And I was looking at like all the little RCQs I could play in because I was like, I'm going to qualify. Yeah, we got that out of the way. Spoiler. We did. So now I'm I'm locked into playing main events, I guess, or not playing. I don't know. Or singular because like getting vintage cards is not exactly something that's just like, you know, you don't just like ask a friend to borrow his power nine. Yeah, I I have gotten one offer-ish uh, that I very quickly declined because yeah. I was just like, I don't want to carry around like a house worth of stuff. Uh, so I'm just not going to do that. But uh, there are two legacy events, actually. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, there's there's like a high roller event on Friday morning, I think. So I convinced Brian to get in a day early. It's like $150 entry where like winner gets four underground seas and then it's play sets of duels pass all the way down to like 10. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I thought I thought you would like that. That's that's like your kind of jam. Yeah. So got, I think got it's, that. It's important that we lean into legacy being great, man, because they don't run enough legacy events. So I don't want to hear any ragging on the formats or the tournament or whatever. No, the format, the format's fine. It looks good in terms of like there's diversity. If there is a certain type of strategy you lean toward, that sort of thing exists in Legacy at the moment. Uh, the decks themselves are just kind of hot messes where it, you're just like, I'm going to take all the black cards and shuffle them together. I'm going to take all the good like blue cards and shuffle them together. All, all the like Delvery stuff. You know, they're all just like four color piles. Yep. A lot of soup. A lot of soup. So if you don't like that, you might not like where Legacy is, but a lot of lot of cool cards. You want to do reanimate stuff, you can do that. You want to do storm stuff, you can do that. You want to like daze wasteland people. A lot of ways to do that. Yeah. So. And for whatever it's worth, I'm not necessarily celebrating like where Legacy is at on a more micro level. I'm more just celebrating the format at a bigger picture and like any amount of investment in it, I'm going to think is awesome at all times. Yeah, even though you can't qualify with it anymore well maybe if it becomes really popular we can put some pressure on them who who is we like someone said this in our in our mod room today too it was pika it was like oh can you use your connections to do blah 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 i was like brother i do not have connections anymore yeah, i have do. the opposite of whatever connections are if i say a thing they will put it on the list of stuff to not do nah you got influence even if you don't admit it I'm with you on like you are blacklisted on some things and I will entertain that in some capacity. But we are all in this together and we certainly have some level of influence over how things work. If you say so. I feel like whenever I express my desires, it is less likely to happen. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say we as like a community and just people like attending the legacy vintage eternal weekend is just like a way to vote for things like that with our wallets so that like the odds and the likelihood that things like that continue to happen go up. Yeah. And that's fair. I mean, we, we do have three weeks, uh, I think basically in a row of eternal weekend stuff happening all over the world. That's cool. This one in Pittsburgh is almost sold out at this point, at least in terms of legacy. So there's that. Yeah, that's wild. And I think I saw we, we were watching the uh, Eternal Weekend in Japan over the weekend, or at least in Asia. I'm not sure if it was Japan or not. Um, I think it was. I think, I think it was like 
uh, Aichi or something. Yeah, no, you're right. It was, it was. Uh, I think 650 players or something obnoxious like that. Yeah, which is definitely a big number. Definitely saw some random Europeans over there too. Yeah, Tobias, I saw you. Yeah, <laughs> listen, and you and I were sitting there daydreaming about going to Japan for a turn of weekend. So, um, not taking that off the table. Yeah, dude, the the Euro, like. Uh, eternal community does not mess around. Like no. we we daydream about going. They're just like, nah, I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? I would love to go. Like family and kids aside, like yo, a little a little three week road trip and doing. I guess not literally a road trip, but you know, metaphor. World um, trip, you know, world trip. Yeah, and hitting Europe on the way to Japan, and you get to do all three eternal weekends and circle the globe. That just sounds awesome. I would be so tired by the yeah. last one, but yes, it would be cool. Yeah. Uh, has Leo watched any Miyazaki movies? No. Why not? I don't. So <laughs> anime is not my thing, man. And I don't like know what's good and what's not. And I'm not going to say I don't. I, I do enjoy it. I'm just not, like, I, I haven't been exposed to much of it. We should have this conversation when I was there. Yeah. I just thought about it now when we're talking about like going to Japan, you're talking about like family stuff. I... I uh, always want to go to this uh, Miyazaki museum, but it's or like Ghibli museum, but it's a little out of the way. Um, and then I was like, would would Leo even like something like that? And then I just realized I didn't know. We were watching a lot of the r- most random stuff I'd never heard of before. Frog and Toad. What the hell is that? I Yo. I have Apple TV. I don't even know what that is. Fair. Like, I don't think there's any Frog and Toad Museum in Japan. You didn't know what Bluey was. You didn't know what Pete the Cat was. These are like, you know, slam dunk in the, you know, three to six year old community right now. Yeah. Apparently these are staples. I don't, I have no idea. Look, he was talking to me about Spider-Man. We were watching some Ninja Turtles. There are some things that we can relate on, but not everything. It's fair. Just a little bit different. Yeah. Ninja Turtles, like, it, it's tough because Spider-Man and Ninja Turtles and Marvel, for that matter, are definitely huge hits with him. Um, but they certainly crank up the amount of violence in the house. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of mega punching happening, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of mega punching. We've, you know, we don't, we don't support guns in the house, so everything's a blaster. Yeah. Love that. Right? So uh, that's just kind of how it goes. But yeah, I'm into a, a lot of the different cartoons and anime. And like, I think I've seen every Pixar movie, like, 50 times now at this point because we've just had them on for three years straight but yeah yeah. we watched we watched onward that was good great movie and that definitely had a lot of like miyazaki similar vibes you know like there there are definitely things that i could i could put you on to that you would enjoy uh and i i think a lot of it is meant to be parsed by children but it is hard for me to gauge how effective that is going to be, you know? Fair. Because, I don't know, I didn't watch that stuff when I was three, so. We'll dabble. Listen, you're going to be back in two months anyway, so. Yeah. I will I will have a full list of recommendations by then, I promise you. I look forward to it. All right. So, uh, I mean, I brought my Switch. That seemed to be a hit. Yeah. That seemed to go over well, and we didn't even have to like pull out like the Ninja Turtles game. Nope, just like, watermelons. We, yeah, we just did watermelons, and yeah. Leo is all about it. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I guess I, I hope you're I hope you're buying a Switch 
or you know maybe maybe you could wait for like the switch 2 or whatever i don't know if you care or not but well the switch 2 coming out would drive the price of the switch down which makes it a little bit more appealing yeah um but um assuming mom and leo are not listening to the podcast there may or may not be a switch under the christmas tree in a few weeks <laughs> it's hard to say <laughs> it, it's kind of funny where you just gotta be like all right mom if you're listening uh fast forward 25 yeah. seconds or whatever yeah yeah i'm gonna put an asterisk here <laughs> but um yeah. yeah no that's gonna be in our future and and that's exciting too because the, the portability of it the ability to like you know bring that out to dinner whatever as a backup plan for when we have meltdowns and the ability to put it on the screen and play together like just awesome yep so so that was good Got to hang out with Costa on Friday when I got in. That was also good. Yeah. Always a good trip. So let's go back a minute for when you originally booked your flights. Listen, (laughs) I I blame Delta, okay? So, uh, yeah, we were looking at flights, and I was like, well, I don't know if I want to come in on, like, Thursday or Friday. So I just kind of, like, left my app open and thought about it. And then ended up talking to Brian about Eternal Weekend stuff. So then I was looking at flights for that. Um, thankfully, didn't book anything because ended up wanting to move it back a day anyway. And also, as of now, I still have not booked anything. So I should probably do that. But uh, basically, when I went in to finally book my Boston flights, and I did, and I was so proud of myself, I sent you a screenshot of it. And... Uh, to no fanfare, I might add. No, no, you know, like, oh, it's it's awesome. You're actually coming. I'm so excited. I think I might have gotten a thumbs up like six hours later or something. Uh, but then a few days later, you're just like, yo, what the hell? Why are you coming in, in January or whatever and not? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in like, December. Hey. In December. but Yeah, yeah, yeah. December at least. Uh, yeah, so I, I had booked Boston flights for the same weekend as Eternal Weekend, which, again, I blame on Delta, right? Because I was looking at stuff for Boston and on those weekends, but uh, it, was, it was for Pittsburgh on the, those weekends. And I swear, I swear that I went in and I did new thing and I did Richmond to Boston and I did the Thanksgiving day weekend stuff. And then by the time I purchased the flight, it changed them to the Pittsburgh ones, I swear. I believe that you believe that. Yes, exactly. And that's that's the most important thing. Yeah. And the funny part is, is like, I didn't even fully notice. I just saw you were debating Wednesday, Thursday, Friday flights. So I saw you booked Friday. So I just assumed that. And then I sent it to Costa and told him to come hang out. And he's like, oh, this isn't Thanksgiving weekend, but I'm down. And then I was like, oh, it's not. Yeah. And so. then, you know, thankfully someone told me and then I got to change my flights for an extra $200. So that was cool. That's fine. It's fine. Could have been worse. Yeah. Anyway, so I had flights that arrived on the days that I intended, which was good. And uh, my flight was leaving at 7, I think. It was early. Yeah, it was early. But apparently Richmond to Boston is one of the few places I have direct. Atlanta is another one, which is a good one because not not only are there just a decent amount of events there, but Atlanta also just connects everywhere, right? It is the hub. Yeah, especially because I'm a Delta guy. So it is the hubbiest hub. And 
uh, Boston, I get directs to. So I was, I was pretty happy with that. The flights were also pretty cheap, especially considering it was Thanksgiving weekends. And so I was I was down to do all that. And then in order to keep those flights cheap, I had to do the old 7 a.m. thing. But uh, I I didn't want to like get in like Friday night or whatever, because then it's like I'm not even there Friday at all. So I was like, I'm going to get in Friday and I was going to get my ADHD meds on like Tuesday. And I was just going to like power through that Friday and just, you know, be around and awake and conscious the whole time. And it was going to be great. So I was still going to get the full three days. And then I didn't get my meds. And uh, because I didn't get my meds, I also put off doing my laundry until the last second. So I set an alarm for 2 a.m. to wake up and like finish doing my laundry before I left. And by the time I got there, I was I was tired. I was a sleepy boy, but I did power through. Yeah, you showed up and I was like, assumed you were going to bed. And you're like, no, I'm good. I, I definitely I definitely did not say I was good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something but, to that effect. But I was like, look, I could nap. I just I don't I don't feel like it is a great idea. Yeah. And you made it through the whole day. Yeah, and, and Costa was coming over and everything. So I'll stay awake for Costa. I'll do yeah. it. Yeah. Costa came over. We went out to lunch. We had some good hangs. What else do we do Friday? I think I played the Pioneer Challenge. Yeah, bailed that, on me for. Yeah, those those things were kind of weird because it was, I don't know. I would just turn my back for a second and I would look over and you'd be like, "Oh, I'm in a challenge or whatever." It's just like, dude, that's that's a big commitment, you know. But <laughs> see, for me, it's not. I, I've gone like two one drop from many a challenge. Fair, but you you stuck this one out. I did. Played all the rounds. I well, considered not sticking it out many times if there was like literally anything else, right? Damn. But it was good. I played well also when the rounds only take seven minutes each. Yeah, heroic's good for that, for sure. And and you were alive up until the last round, I think. Do you lose the last round or second to last? I lost the last round in a spot where I thought I was win I was in even with a loss. So I didn't even think I was playing for much. And then I ended up getting like ninth or tenth on breakers. That happened to me in a, a a Pokemon regional. Yeah. In the last round of Swiss, I was playing a table two. Apparently, they don't pair top down. Yeah. And yeah. they they didn't post standings. And my breakers were terrible despite starting like three zero or something. Yeah, it happens. So, yeah, I lost and got like eighteenth. It was like not even close. <laughs> not even remotely close. Yeah. Yeah, I was at least like ninth or tenth. Yeah, you were tenth. I remember. I went in. I went in and checked on you, looked at the deck list as I do. But uh, yeah, that happened. I think I went to bed like right before that round finished. I didn't want to see you play that top eight anyway, because you know Pioneer, whatever. Yeah, and it was kind of win win because I got to go to bed right. So yeah, true. And we had we had big business to get to in the morning. Yeah. So Saturday there was modern RCQ. You kind of led the charge on preparing for that one. Yeah, led led the charge. I played, uh, I think, two leagues. Again, was unmedicated, so I, I wasn't doing a whole lot. But uh, the first league, I went four and one, and it was one of those leagues where, like, all the matches you win are two O's, and then the one you lose is O two, and it like doesn't feel close. Like none of the games you play feel close. 
And generally that, that bodes pretty well. And I do think that there is something here in regards to like Asmo, Call to the Netherworld, NT typo stuff. Uh, and then I fixed my deck up a little bit, played, I joined a second league and I guess they took away the all access thing too. So I definitely don't have those cards anymore. I wonder what happens when I'm still in a league and I don't have. I think you're allowed to finish the league. Oh, okay. I remember reading that on the FAQ. That's kind of cool. I don't know if I'm ever going to do that, um, especially because yeah. modern season is is super done now. Well, but, the RC is modern, but, you know. Yeah, no, that's fair. Okay, so maybe maybe like mid-January <laughs> I'll get around to finishing this league if they haven't uh, taken down the season yet. I don't know. But I don't know. There's There's something there, and it's pretty good. But I was also like, look, I'm going to Baston to play in this RCQ and I also want to pack pretty light. So I got to make some decisions like now. And uh, also my call in another worlds were not set to show up until Saturday. So that also presented a problem uh, or, or solution depending on how you want to look at it. Yeah. I would say solution, but spoiler. Yeah. So you had played creativity in a prelim and gone asterisk three and one. And I was like, you know, should should I consider playing this deck even though I, I truly believe it to just be pretty abysmal and thought about it a little bit and thought about kind of like my modern history and decks that I've been successful with. And again, thinking about Scam and the tournaments I've played Scam in and everything and what the various problems were. And I, I kind of just came to the conclusion that even though in reality, I think this is kind of BS. And when people say this, it's it's just cope and nonsense where they're like, oh, I want to play a deck that like gives me agency. It's usually code for like, oh, I want to do a thing that like makes me feel smart, even though it's worse, which is like, they'll say that when they're playing like blue-white control in Pioneer, for example, which, you know, is, is definitely better now than it was six to 12 months ago, but still. I also, I think a debatable amount of agency, but continue yeah and especially in that where it's like your your deck is like all four mana cards and they all kind of suck and whatever it's just like all right yeah not a ton of interesting decisions yeah you're playing you're playing like dissipate or whatever (laughs) yeah you're just like one spell a turn yeah which spell should i cast right Yep. whereas like i think the true agency stuff is where like you don't play your cards on curve yeah yeah exactly and the Cascade versions of the Beanstalk deck have that problem, right? Where it's like you you really have to do this like linear plan. And then once you accomplish that, then sure, you have agency or whatever. But you're it, it's all just masturbatory at that point. Yep. We've been over this. I don't think the Beanstalk decks are very challenging. No, they're not. They're, they're actually, I think they're super easy to play. Yeah. Uh, especially the Cascade ones. Yep. But... The other ones where it's like, oh, you have to like pick and choose like how to sequence your spells and all that stuff really matters. And you have, in general, more interactive elements in your deck, I would say. You know, you're up like two or three removal spells on average. Uh, I think those decks, if, if I really thought that agency was the thing that would like lead to me claiming victory for once in my life, or at least you know, winning more matches than I lose, which 
has also been a problem recently. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, a good goal to start at least. Yeah, to start, right? It's just like let's let's try and go like 55-45, shall we? And yeah. and see where that goes. Uh yeah, it's like Cascade was off the table. Scam, you have agency, but then like I said, you just kind of stop doing stuff. And then you, you have agency on the first couple turns, but then no longer for the rest of the game. And I don't like that. Uh, and not even like the lack of agency, just the lack of like draw going and not doing anything with your mana is just pretty awful to me. But uh, I was like, you know, creativity it definitely checks those boxes for like it is interactive. I get to keep playing the game. I have ways to spend my mana. Uh, certainly there are games where you just like flood out or are screwed and don't get to accomplish much or whatever. But like, realistically, this does check a lot of the boxes. And you have a very powerful thing. Yeah, that certainly helps. If, if at the, my top end, you know, say I'm doing like the Grixis, like Ragavan, Snapcaster, grindy stuff or whatever, uh, a deck that I played in modern for all of two weeks when it was legal. Uh, not super great right now, but deck that caps out on Archon of Cruelty and like perhaps multiples of them. Okay, you know, it's not looking too bad. It looks like you can go over the top of some people. You can compete with other people's long games. Like it's got a decent amount going for it. For whatever it's worth, I participated in this decision-making process zero. Oh yeah. No, I I didn't even want to ask you because your your words were going to be tainted. And also, it was more fun for me to show up with sleeved creativity in my deck box ready to go and also some kind of like new-ish stuff to show that I had been thoughtful in this endeavor, you know? Fair. And for whatever it's worth, too, in the, uh, the whatever the Moto event I played a few days before this was, I did not talk to you about that at all either. True. Yeah, I just, I saw it. Uh, yeah. Just, you know, doing my thing, looking at deck lists. I see your your Moda screen name. And then Moda also reported it as 2-1 <laughs> in, in a prelim, which looked funny to me. I thought you 2-1 dropped. And so I just sent that to you, to like the little <laughs> screenshot of that. But apparently you'd gotten a buy and they just like didn't count the buy. Yeah. Which I kind of like because I, I really only earned two wins. But, you know, I had to get my QPs so that we could play the Legacy Showcase when you were here. So yeah. I did my work. Yeah. No, you you finished your fetch quest. That was the first prelim I've ever played. Okay. Ever. Okay. It was surprisingly easy and seamless. Yeah. Yeah, I, I played, uh, I think, no, I played one, and then from my four one, I got the, the two last QPs I needed, I think. Yeah. Most of my rants previously about, like, wishing that they just gave me a way to register with tickets for these other events, I, I retract m the majority of that. Because had I realized how seamless and easy these were and just like made the time and planned even a tiny bit ahead, like there's just a whole bunch of these every single day. Yeah, I mean, I would still like to just be able to pay with tickets rather than plan ahead or whatever. But yeah, I, I don't, it's not that hard. It it's is not that hard. And you get a lot of them. Like I think 3-1 got me 20 QPs. Yeah. Which is just a silly amount. It is a silly amount, but it's to the point where it's just like, why can't I just pay for this? Well, I it's would argue dead. I did. Just it took three or four hours of my day. The thing is, like most, the, like ninety plus percent of my Magic Online play happens on the weekends, and I don't have prelims on the weekends. 
yeah, the the challenges and whatnot are supposed to make up for that, I imagine. But yeah, well, you have anyway, to like, you have to get second in the challenge to get twenty QPs. Like. Yeah, yeah, that that is really silly. All right, so I wanted to give you some rooting interest, also, which as if I didn't have enough, but I'm with you, and I appreciate that. No, I mean, if I were like playing scam, I can't imagine it would be that riveting, that exciting for you. You know, like you did watch a decent amount of my games. Yeah. And I don't know that you would have done that were I playing something else because there was also the arena open happening, right? So like you had stuff to do. I had stuff to do. And you still chose to uh, spend it watching me telling me what I was doing wrong. That you didn't come close to acknowledging a single one of the suggestions that I made for whatever that's worth. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I gave you my rationale for them. Yeah, that's fair. And I was not very bold in how I phrased any of them. But uh, I think they're more art than science on like nothing you did was necessarily wrong. There were just like, you know, options, different paths you could have chosen. I think I think that like not casting random six on turn two one is is not great. Yeah, you're probably right. I still think that one is not great, but yeah, there was definitely definitely some stuff that I did wrong that maybe you didn't see, or maybe were maybe you knew that I knew that it was wrong, so yeah. you were being like too nice to point it out or whatever. But and and for whatever it's worth, I somewhat deliberately, but somewhat just like given where the seating was, was way more often than not on your opponent's side of the table. Yeah, right. So- yeah, which. Which made things weird because you're just like, how the hell did this happen? Like, what was in your hand or whatever? And those conversations were fun. Yeah. At one point, you're just like, I literally had four ley line bindings in my hand. And I was like, all right, that's like one of the only. Yeah. You're like, okay, that makes sense. (laughs) But like, you can't come up with a combination of like realistic things. I was just like, no, I just I, I literally had that. Yeah. I was like, you don't have lands or spells in your hand and you have seven cards. Like, how is that actually possible? Yeah. Yeah, my, my opponent was drawing dead. I had a red emblem and I got back a land and cycled it. And my, my graveyard had like lightning bolt Prismari command. Yeah. And so Dave was just like, how what what random card could you possibly want over like just starting to like bolt to kill them or whatever? And I was like, Well, I also had these bindings. Uh so you know, I wasn't I wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. But, yeah, I was just trying to find like Fable, Archon, Creativity, and just like wrap it faster, but at that point, who who actually cares? You know, the game's over. Yeah, you had the lock. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I play this RCQ. I I qualify. I'm not going to say I won because at best I got like fourth in this tournament. But uh, the the way it all shook out, I ended up with the invite, and uh, I also did not play against Scam a single time. So I don't know if two people that is going to add a much bigger asterisk to this whole thing or really just be confusing because it's not like this was a small RCQ. This was like 49 people. This is maybe the largest one I've played in this season. Yeah, there was a good number of people. There was a healthy mix of decks too, right? Um, Scam, I think, was the one seed going into the top eight. It was. It was the one player who went 5-0. Yeah, and for whatever it's worth, like, at least on paper, like, we still think I mean, a lot of the scam players have been saying that creativity is a bad matchup for them. So I don't know if dodging scam is actually where you want to be or, um, yeah, I genuinely don't know. Well, I, I think the only argument that people could really put forth is that in, instead of potentially playing against like good decks, like tough matchups, 
I, I did not have to face any scam, which on paper is a good matchup, but it, it is still hard. It's still scary. Their deck still does like powerful things. And I don't know. I was still uh, in like the winner's bracket in modern. It's not like my opponent's decks were bad. They just ne- weren't necessarily capable of the same power spike as as like a scam opponent would be. But, you know, scam was on the decline. Scam also kind of got beat up. Like Snook was in the tournament. He was playing scam. He did not make top eight. No, he got smushed. And I, I think there is at least one other scam deck. I I think I saw three total. There There could have been more, certainly, but... Oh, there was definitely more than that. But... That was only in the very early rounds of the tournament, and your first few rounds took quite a, lot, a bit of time. Yeah, I played played against Hammer. Uh, played against an opponent who I played against in Pittsburgh, actually. So I sat down. and was like, I I recognize you. Yeah. You know, like this, this nice. is kind of weird. How do I recognize like random people at a Boston RCQ? But, uh, yeah, played against Hammer. Played against uh Glimpse Cascade. That was, I think all those matches are just going to be weird, but that was probably my weirdest match. Uh, and then Teamer Prowess and White Black Taxes. And then I double drew, played against Zoo in top eight. And then uh, <laughs> while I was waiting for the other bracket to finish, my Taxes opponent came over to say goodbye, and I was like, oh, that must mean that you lost. And he was just like, no, actually, I won, and my opponent conceded. And I, I said something to the effect of, like, how do I get one of those? Like a top four opponent who doesn't want the slot, you know? And then I got one of those. Yeah. And this was an event where, like, there wasn't even a finals. Like, literally, when it got to the top two, it was just done. Yeah. It, it was a two-slaughter, and the prizes were the same. Yep. So, tournament yeah. was over pretty quick. So we effectively had the same experience in these events where we both won our quarterfinal match and then the tournament was over and we got our invite. Right. Kind of weird. I kind of enjoyed it, but. And your your top eight match was incredibly close. It was. Uh, you were very dead from my perspective for quite a few turns. Yeah, and so I thought I was like holding on at least with what the board was, but my opponent also always had like four or five cards in hand and they were playing zoo and were stuck on two for a bit and then found a third land eventually, but never found a fourth. And because of their situation was not able to find a convenient spot to fetch white mana. Yeah. So they didn't have white mana. They were playing like the domain zoo deck, right? So like, Stubborn denials, like blue counter spells, were like definitely going to be in their deck and in their hand, and you just were flooding out miserably and drew like a combination of like nine lands and like three lightning bolts. Yeah, I th- I think there was maybe like another removal spell in there somewhere. Like maybe there was a binding that was sitting in. Yeah. I can't quite remember. Effectively the same thing though, right? Like you didn't have any Prismari commands, any fables, any bitter reunions, anything to like get you going velocity. No, I did. I did. I did cast a Prismari that game. No, I cast two Renin sixes too. So this is the game where because my opponent didn't have white, I was able to tag team Renin six and bolt to kill a Kavu, territorial Kavu. And then I was able to tag team, that run in six with Prismari command to kill a two three Tarmogoyf. Yep, I remember and that. And then my opponent played a two two Wild Nicotle. I fetched a Dwarven Mine, attacked it, 
they immediately blocked, knowing that I could rend Minus to kill it, which I did. And they were super happy to flash in a Bowmaster to kill my Ren, but I was pretty happy with all that because I had nothing going on except for another copy of Ren and Six in my hand. Yeah, so you had like two Rens and a whole bunch of removal. Yeah, two two Rens, Prismari Command discarded me an Archon because this was on like turn four. And then fast forward five turns later, six turns later, I have nine lands in play and I just peeled Archon of Cruelty. Yeah. And you cast Archon on nine mana while your opponent has a Fluster Storm and a Stubborn Denial in their hand. And they had Creativity covered the whole game, but those cards don't interact with Archon. Uh, I mean, to be fair, I think there were windows where like Stub did not counter Creativity, but... Oh, sure, sure. They had it covered for a huge percentage of the game, and they were certainly like sequencing and holding those up, yes. right? Yep. Whereas if they had just like goldfished tried to kill you, you almost certainly would have died. Probably, yeah. Um, it was a fun game to watch and frustrating watching you draw land after land and then finally get rewarded by ripping the Archon, which was satisfying. Look, man, that's that's the thing with these kind of decks is all you got to do is stay alive, you know? You're preaching to the choir, man. Not too so, bad. So 4-0 double draw into win your quarterfinal match into an RCQ invite. Just like that. Yeah. Pretty I'm easy. just saying, you've played Creativity now twice. And both times were pretty positive experiences. Uh, I went, I was 4-2 in the thing, but like definitely list was a little sketch. And I think I played pretty bad in both of my losses. And I don't, I don't think I played a hundred percent here, but well, I, I, I certainly played better. Yeah. I say positive experience. Like, yo, that 4-2, like in that Sunday day two event at the Star City, whatever that was a few months ago was as thirsty as I've seen you just like ready to play more magic. Yeah. Right. Like you went four two drop and we're at the airport and you're like, man, we should have moved our flights so I could have kept playing. Yeah, I was mad. Yeah. And you like wanted to play for a top 16 for like one hundred dollars. And I'm like, I can't get you to stay in the tournament when you're alive for top eight, man. Yeah. (laughs) So when I say positive experience, right, they both you were engaged. I was. No, I mean, like if nothing else, the deck is very engaging. Yeah. I said to listen, I think there's definitely something to this of like. I said to Snook watching you play, like, I think the second round of that tournament, that, like, you had that look. Like, you were thinking through stuff. You were fierce, right? And, like, yo, that's like a, I don't know, might be a made-up fake thing, but, like, I do believe in it, and I do think that there's, like, something to be said about that, and I don't feel that way when I watch you play or my friends play every time. Certainly, certainly when I'm playing Scam and I just stop casting spells by turn three, I just get bored. Yeah. Right. So there there's something that maybe it's not even agency. It's just like just give me ways to spend my mana and I will continue to be enthralled. Fair. And the the perfect example of this is one that you kind of poked fun at this weekend. But it's the like Faithless Looting, Lingering Souls, Bedlam Reveler deck. Uh, I I celebrated that. Well, the deck, that deck was nonsense. I don't think anybody else on the planet ever won a match with it. Yeah. But that that's also kind of a dig. You see that, right? <laughs> well, I, I mean, there wasn't a ton of opportunity, right? Looting got banned, like, shortly after. Yeah. But, like, you know, I think it's kind of a flex, the way I'm saying it. And, like, listen, like, there, there's been different decks and different formats where we've done this like blue white red flash was like this for a little bit where like you cost and i were like the only three people on in the country playing that deck 
Yeah, and I top eight a PT, and you got ninth or tenth or whatever. Yeah, and Costa top eight a GP with it, and just like, you know, other people try playing it and just can't win. I mean, to be fair, I de- that's one of the decks that I definitely paid played well past its expiration date. Oh, we all did. We absolutely like, did. But yeah. I I tried other stuff and like couldn't win with that. You yeah. know, trying to do like the like Thrag Tusk on burial rights crap. I'm just ugh. Yeah. It's like fine. I'll go back to this like flash thing. I'll play an Etherling. Is that good? Nope. It's it's worse. Expensive <laughs> cards. Expensive cards are not good. All right. Yeah. Give me back my Restoration Angel. I'm yeah. just gonna, you know, attack you for three a few times and Lightning Strike Snapcaster you out. Yeah, but like I don't know. You get to spend your mana for as many turns as you want in that deck. All you got to do is add like two Think Twices, and you're golden. Yeah, two two Think Twice. Uh, no pun intended. That deck certainly had agency. Yes. But but again, it's the same type of agency where it's like, do your decisions actually matter? Who knows? It's all nebulous. You'll never know. Never know. But my point is, like, that killer instinct, right, is something I notice. And I pay a lot of attention to just, like, you know, how people play their cards and their mannerisms in general. And just, like, you know, when I see stuff like that, it, it makes me excited. Yeah, so we'll we'll try and keep... Uh, I don't know, keep paying attention to that, I guess. I don't yeah. know any sort of like actionable thing that we can do, but... No, so- for me, I, I think a lot of this is like somewhat out of your control and like the primary thing you should do is to be self-aware of it. Yeah. Right? Of like, I constantly try to replicate that stuff and I've, I've, I've spent, you know, 20 years trying to find ways to produce that on demand and I have failed to figure out anything that allows me to do that. But what I have been able to figure out is like the ability to identify when it is happening. So then it's just like, all right, try a bunch of stuff. And if I ever get that feeling or whatever, just stick with it. Yeah. The other weird thing is, uh, it's like all of like my major successes were when for the most part I was not medicated I did not realize that I had ADHD until very late in life. And by the time I won Amonkhet and got second, I think I was on SSRIs, like antidepressants, but I wasn't on anything for ADHD, you know? Yeah. And so I I always kind of like did wonder like, because I mean, just me functioning uh, in, in everyday life, when I medicated for ADHD, it, it is night and day. I am a different person. I I am not exhausted. I have energy. I feel like I can like do my chores. You know, it doesn't sound like such a big thing, but I assure you it is. Uh, and the thought of being able to play like magic at the highest level when I am medicated, it's just like, I'm just going to feel like a god probably. Yep. And certainly I've, I've played in some tournaments medicated now, like smaller stakes stuff um, where... I am definitely like more alert and more attentive in, in everything. But like th- this was another one where I was not medicated because I was not able to pick up my meds on Tuesday like I'd planned. But it's weird to me. It's like, man, I played all these tournaments medicated and went like, you know, four and two or three and two or whatever. And then this one I wasn't and I won. And I not only that, I, I lost like two games, maybe something like 10 and two. Yeah, uh, and Crushed. I don't know. I I was also just like very tired the entire time. I think I was <laughs> like baby whining about trying to take a nap every round to you guys. 
100% accurate baby whining was present. Yep. It's interesting because like one of the natural replacements for ADHD meds is adrenaline. Yeah. Right? So I would wager that some of these bigger events where you weren't medicated as you start to do well and are featured or in high pressure situations where adrenaline is present, you very much are medicated at that point. It's just a natural one. Yeah, but in terms you have to of get to that point. Yeah, so. exactly. I was going to say it's like way easier to just like get to be seven and one yeah. when you're medicated versus like I, I definitely remember uh, Montreal, like gay crash 2013 or 2012, maybe I don't remember, but uh, being something like 10 and one. And I went up to a bunch of different people and was like, how, how do I not mess this up? You know, because like I was feeling it. Yep. Relatable. And, yeah, most most of the time I don't feel that way. Like Amonkhet, I I did not, you know. And then Bilbao, there was extenuating circumstances for me feeling all sorts of things that weekend. But uh, I don't know. Amonkhet was just like I was there doing my thing. I had had plenty of stuff like this at various points where it's like I am playing feature matches for tens of thousands of dollars, like whatever, you know? You're just a little kid, man, playing zombies. Yeah. <laughs> just just trying to make my attacks look cool. That's all I wanted to do on like the last yeah. turn. Not a lot of agency with that deck. Disagree. I had I had plenty of ways to use my man. Dude, Crypt Breaker, Crypt Breaker's a hell of a card. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Do you draw a card? Or do you attack? That's a big thing, right? Well, you have to figure out like how to spend your man. It's it's like every part of the the looting, uh, Bedlam Reveler, Lingering Souls type of stuff is just in one card, and like you pray to God that they don't kill it. Yeah, fair. That's fair, right? For for me, the biggest thing about agency is like, do you cast your cards on curve or do you not cast them on curve? The second you're not playing them on curve, um, you have agency, but like you kind of have that with Crypt Breaker where it's like attacking or choosing to attack or not, like you're changing the flow and the dynamics of the game. Correct. And I bet if you go watch my matches when I have Crypt Breaker, which granted was a lot of them because, you know, I did end up winning. Yeah. So that kind of just means that Correlated. I have Crypt Breaker. Yeah, yeah, a lot of the time. <laughs> uh, you will definitely see turns where I'm like, playing things, tapping them for cards, and then, like, something slight changes where, like, now my opponent has presented a clock and, like, now I'm very clearly trying to get damage in. Yeah, um, you get to choose wh what the game is about, right? Yeah, yeah. Or you, given you have reasonable information about what the game is about, you get to then choose how to proceed. Like, do you want to sit back accruing value, spending your mana, or do you just want to like jam to the board and try and get in as much damage as possible? Yeah, you're controlling the velocity of the game. Yeah, so it is It is all aspects of agency, but you remove that card and like, yeah, suddenly I'm just attacking you for two. You know, that's all I got. Yeah. It, it, like, and this, this is where like, I think those blue at red flash decks were awesome because like you could win games by like, playing your removal spells on their creatures and then Snapcaster Mage and Restoration Angel for value and play them again on their creatures and you grind them out. And then there are other games where like you could point those burn spells at their face and then flash in your creatures and kill them out of nowhere. Yeah. So, like, and, I mean, you also, had, similar. you also had like the Azorius Charm lifelink mode. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. So you're controlling like the pace and the velocity of the game. Right. And you can like make it about cards or make it about a race. And you you had tools to do those things. Yeah, and I like those decks. Yeah. Scam, you get to look at your opponent's hand a couple times, but then, you know, then your choices are gone. Yeah. I will say that, like, I have seen quite a few, like, pretty interesting, like, turn one grief scam, which two cards do I take? For sure. But they're all about, like, you know, I'm 60% to win. How do I make myself 63% to win? Agreed. Right. So it's like about trying to think through what sequence of things have to happen for you to lose the game. And then what do you want to do against those? So it's all like hypothetical math, you know, equations based on the, you know, randomness of the top of each of your decks. Far less interesting in general. Agreed. But it is, it's kind of like Crip Breaker is like all the stuff rolled up into one. Like Scam is like all the decisions just like rolled up into the first two turns. Yeah. Big, impactful decisions, but... And I do think pretty interesting ones to play from the scam side. No, they are. that's worth. They are, absolutely. Right. Uh, so, uh, after that, what else did we do? We we went grocery shopping, bought some pizzas. Oh, I you... remember that. You you opened a pool before we left for the, oh, oh, the yeah. showcase, and you were... um uh, You started your baby whining early that day. I did. Which is also hilarious because I think you went like 14 and 0 in matches this day, but and there was baby whining nonstop. Um, but you were not very pleased with your pool. You were building it on your phone. I think you ended up with a 47 card deck. I, I did, and then I trimmed it down to 46. 46 card deck, got it. And um 7 0 in games? Yeah, 7 0. Uh I played one. I think that morning when we were still at your house and it was just like, God, this deck is terrible. Can't can't wait to just get like knocked out so I can open into a pool, you know? And then 4-0 double drawing, I sat down and just just went to work. I was like, well, I gotta I gotta get this out of the way, you know? I don't know how much longer I'm gonna be conscious. Uh, I don't know how many times I'm gonna be able to try and like rejoin this thing. So I just gotta sit down and like jam them out. And so I did like, I think four and then had to get paired for my next round, draw in again. And then I, I finished it off and was just like, oh, I just won all my games. It was 7-0. All of them. Clean. So we went 5-0 in the RCQ and 7-0 in the arena open and you were done. Yeah. And meanwhile, I played four or five different bullets on the iPad while you were playing the RCQ. And I actually had a bunch of different decks that I thought were like pretty reasonable and good. And I just went like, you know, four and three or five and three a whole bunch of times. And that's, then... That's more of my typical experience. Yeah. I, I've, I've never gone 7-0 before. It's weird because I wasn't actually... Like I've had times where I was frustrated where I felt like I was hopeless. That That was not the feeling I was getting. And I was never actually within a win of getting it. So I was never like disappointed or felt like one got away. Um, but I think I fired five bullets at the site. I was there for a while because you won the tournament. Um, and then we went grocery shopping and got back to the house. Still relatively reasonable hour. And I just, I think I 7 one pretty quick immediately playing one with you. Yeah, where it's like, oh, nice. Open the rares. You got Megmatic Galleon and 
bone horde dragon and then you look and your red is just the shallowest pile of crap ever but you're just like i gotta i gotta do this yeah so i had to play my six red cards yeah i i actually had four red cards in my deck if you don't count the gold ones so i guess six with the golds okay um yeah and good deck honestly the sealed format felt pretty interesting felt pretty fun a lot of my pools were like fun to build for whatever that's worth um, and I certainly enjoy the I I really enjoy deck building during sealed. Me too. Uh, Quite a bit, actually. Yeah, like best of one no sideboarding definitely is a lot less fun in sealed, if you ask me. Whereas like in draft, I don't really miss it too much. Yes, uh, I mean sealed, you have like a two hundred card sideboard or whatever, right? Like it's awesome. Yeah, and I think in general your decks are like a little bit less streamlined, right? And like yeah. the delta between your best cards and your worst cards are going to be a little bit higher, right? Whereas in draft, you're going to have like a lot more synergy. Um. So yeah, I don't know. I enjoyed. I, I had fun. I, I mean, I, I wish I didn't waste you know twenty five thousand gems qualifying, but um, I enjoyed my 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 games. Would have been well worth it if you won two thousand U.S. dollars, though. I could have, man. I was close. <laughs> I was not close. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't actually that close, but I felt close. So I was close until you went for nap time. Oh yeah, that was my bad. So yeah. Saturday and Sunday, very different days. Yeah. Sunday, wake up. Uh, Slept get, in. Get get on a call with Josh. Show I did not sleep in because I knew I had this nine a.m. call with Show to to be on his draft. Okay. And. and you know, watch him, watch, watch the man in action. Uh, was on a, was on a blue red kick. Uh, just started sending me these, these draft decks and like sealed decks and stuff. And he's just like, this is, this is like the funnest shit of all time. And he just kept walloping people. Uh, we did, we did his draft and I think he went two and two. I don't remember, but then I did my draft solo and it went okay, uh, but then I also went two and two, and like all the stuff that happened on Saturday, where I was like, "Oh, I'm just never gonna have to mulligan. I'm always gonna have my colors, despite being a four color deck. I'm just gonna have like a decent curve and be able to use my mana and like yeah. have have the removal spell for their flyer. Just none of that stuff happened. You keep two landers, and you just you know play a land on turn three. Yeah, immediately. It's, it, on, on Saturday, I, I was just like, I'm just going to draw a Swamp here, aren't I? And I drew the Swamp, and I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm not losing this RCQ. Yeah. Because I was just running good in all facets. Yeah. For, for the record, there was no Swamps in your creativity deck, but I know what you uh, meant. No, that in was my arena. sealed deck. Yeah, I in mean, your sealed. In your sealed. Yeah. 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 I just want to make sure people don't, people don't get confused. No, my creativity deck was mostly normal, except I had some annuls and also some mana leaks that I basically never cast. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and just, just Sunday I got beat up, and then also while this is going on, it's like, oh crap, we gotta like figure out our decks for the legacy thing, and we're trying to like look at lists real quick and decide what to do, and we just put some mono black crap together. Uh, my experience with that was like, wow, I have uh one card that is like kind of good at doing this thing, and then like a card that's like kind of good at doing this other thing, and then. Yeah, you know, I I just never drew like all the pieces for one of the things. 
So it was, it was pretty bad. It didn't yeah. go great. It was like, I kind of wish I had some cards that helped me, you know, find things in my deck or put pieces together. Yo, that's, that is an interesting prospect. I am, I am interested. I would like to subscribe to your newsletter and hear more about this. <laughs> yeah. Brainstorm is a powerful card. It is. And yeah, we didn't play any of those. We played a lot of swamps, though. A lot of swamps. A lot, a lot of, swamps. of swamps. So there was this like, yeah, this basically like I had won one of the legacy challenges like two months ago with mono black um, stuff, I'll say, um, and always had a soft spot and a weakness for that. Um, and then a deck from the European Eternal Weekend looked quite appealing that was doing the grief reanimate scam stuff with dark rituals, dotty void walkers, thought seizes and the likes. And you and I both ended up somewhere close to that. And we had been talking about it for a few days, but then I feel like the the showcase just kind of snuck up on us. And all of a sudden we were like, oh, there's 20 minutes and we haven't like built our deck. Like, what do we do? Yeah. Any sort of preparation I did for creativity where it was like, oh, Wednesday I have my deck sleeved and ready to go for this tournament that starts on Saturday. We did not do any of that for the no, Sunday thing. We had like, we had talked a bunch and then, but not actually made any decisions. And then all of a sudden there was a lot going on between nine and 1045. Yeah. Cause like Snook started showing up and brought food and. You're you know. helping Josh draft. There's kids running around. Bagels showed up. It was chaos, but it was, um, it was chaos. Oh, like also we got your brother on the call at some point to see how his draft was going. Yeah. So put him up on the projector. Oh, yeah, it was it was awesome. Let me tell you, but I was definitely overwhelmed. That's fair. I'm not going to say I was overwhelmed. That's kind of like that's I'm going to say that was like probably an extreme version, but that is like relatively normal. Okay. yeah, like I'm I'm down with that, but I just feel like if I knew it was going to be like that, I should have prepped a little bit better. Oh, fair. I, I knew it was going to be like that. And I, I shouldn't say I didn't know it was going to be that extreme. Right. But when it happened, I wasn't totally shocked. And no, I do wish no. we spent a little bit more time. I feel like this legacy format in particular is like the perfect combination of like kind of still random and pretty open. But at the same time, you have some level of expectation of what people are doing that I feel like we could have gotten an edge. Agreed. Absolutely agree. Uh, I, I remembered that chains of Mephistopheles is a card at some point and then that sort of drove me in a certain direction to play like mono black with wasteland instead of saga and I don't know I was just kind of obsessed with like finding a card that was like good against just beans in general chains is definitely good against beans yeah it's it seemed like it I mean I never played the matchup or had a chance to like put the card into play or anything but in theory it seems quite good yeah. So where does all of this leave you with legacy for eternal weekend now in 10 days or what have you? Well, once, once again, I think Dothy Voidwalker kind of sucks because it doesn't really do anything it like does stuff, but mostly just kind of like hangs out. Uh, if you play against a graveyard deck, great, but it doesn't contribute to the reanimate plan or, like griefing them or anything. So I don't know. I, my plan right now is to just play shadow with some red cards. Cause I want to sack a shadow top Nixilis. I kind of like that. 
But uh, past that, I don't know. I don't really have anything. That's a good place to be. I was I was gonna try and do like LED into madness stuff, but the more I thought about it, the worse it got in my head. Yeah, I mean Delver has been doing surprisingly well in a lot of these events. Yeah, Team or Delver actually looks pretty good. The the questing druid stuff looks good. Yeah, yeah. Is that where Brian's at? Have you talked to him? I I think so, but it's not because man's been putting in a yeah. bunch of hours, you know? Yeah, that's fair. I, I literally saw the deck list, sent it to him. I was like, I think you like these things. And he was like, yeah, that seems cool. And, and he, like, has a lot of cards, so. Yeah, he's got to get four question druids, which, you know, might might put him out 30 bucks or whatever. No, I, I got those. I bought those already. Yeah? What I are they worth? Text. Five I bucks. Just, Five <laughs> bucks, not bad. I just got a text from my friend that said, hey, come to Minnesota. That's it? Nothing else? Just yeah, Minnesota. I, no context. <laughs> On my way. Shout out Andrew Lipkin. Uh man, I've been traveling a lot. Okay. I, I will I will come to Minnesota at some point, I promise. The the travel is not going down anytime soon. Like we got, you know, a week in January and two weeks in February already booked. Uh yeah. I mean, Star City is it looks like they're doing these once a month and they're all like East Coast, and I'm I'm on the East Coast, so it's like pretty hard to turn down, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I guess I am just gonna keep going and try and be mindful of weekends that I can take off and ha- like have that be a set thing on my calendar, and make sure to actually do it and try to recuperate in that time because normally I'm just I'll just like add things to my calendar and like say yes to everything. Yeah, can get you in trouble. Yep, but I will. I will keep going until I die of exhaustion or my bank account is empty, one or the other. We can shoot the moon and do both at the same time. Perhaps I mean, dude, if they if they land on the same weekend, I'm isn't that the going. ultimate goal? <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a goal. It it might be a reality. But That's the min maxer in me, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Try just to try and get maximum amount of equities. Like yeah, yeah. Every dollar I die with is a dollar I didn't utilize. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I yeah. I would at least think that those dollars would go towards my cats and like ensuring that they have long and healthy and and uh, wonder wonderful lives filled with love. But touche. So if I die and they're broke, I'm gonna feel real bad. Yeah. But uh, also, we got this, like, announcement thing, announcement of an announcement we should probably talk about. A communication of a communication? Yeah. Listen, I, I we're poking fun at this a little bit. I want to lead on. It's good. It's good. We, we, we constantly ridicule and criticize lack of transparency and communications. So even if the information isn't exactly in the way we want it, we should embrace any amount of transparency with this stuff. I agree, and I I think they took it a step further. They were more transparent than I thought they were going to be. Yeah, and that's created a. But that's everybody was just caught so off guard because they've just never done that before. Yeah, but love to see it. They actually, speculated. Actually, on do legitimately love to see it. Yeah, uh, they said, I do. They gave us clues about what was going to happen. I do wish that. Uh, I I don't know if they've like actually made a decision as to like what they're going to do in all the formats. And maybe it was like, oh, we've decided on one, but not the other. So we're just going to wait. Like all that makes sense to me. But 
I I do think it is kind of silly to like drop very big hints, but not just formally say what they want to do. And a lot of this is just stemming from the fact that the RC is in like two weeks, basically, which is not a lot of time. Yeah, I think it's weird because the RC in every other region for Pioneer, at least, is already finished. Yeah. So it's just the U.S. that has like bigger implications here around ban announcements. Yeah. And for everyone else, they they probably don't mind as much, which is is cool and fine. But I just happen to be feeling it because it's like I'm trying to help people with this. And now it's just like, okay, I guess we're just in a holding pattern for a week. Wait, why can't it be about you? You're trying to figure out what to how to win, not just about everybody else. Well, I don't really care, so I'm not feeling it. Yeah. For myself. Like, I don't know. Today I I put together Rakdos Midrange and we very much have like the Rakdos Midrange crib. You know? Yeah. So <laughs> what what a miserable crib. <laughs> yeah, kinda. <laughs> We're staying on Lucky Street, though. I found that out when Chase asked me for the address. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that he was like, good. he was like, oh, one of us is definitely going to win. It's like, yeah. all right, Rakdos guy, whatever you say. Yeah. So they basically made some hints that there's going to be banned announcements with implications for Modern and Pioneer next Monday, which is December 4th. And the RC that you're going to is the 15th. So 11 days before the tournament, you're going to get what we think of at this moment to be some like relatively large announcements on the format. Yeah. So that that leaves a week and a half for folks to actually test, which is not a lot of time. Doesn't necessarily sound great for the average person. Sounds pretty good for you. Well, I can figure out like what is best in a vacuum but like in order for me to be truly effective at metagaming like a thousand person tournament, I'm going to want to have data and I'm, I'm going to yeah. need to like go off that data because I need to know what that data is going to tell everyone else to do. In a perfect world, you'd probably have three weeks to prepare and see results and not just 10 days, but you're still going to get a week of motor results to see stuff. So you should hypothetically get a chance to figure something out. No, I know, but like I need I need three weeks of I don't know, say say like blue white control is the nuts or whatever. Uh I need multiple weeks of that hammering people so that they definitely believe it instead of like, oh, it getting like third in a challenge one time and like I don't know how how people are gonna land on that as a result. Yeah, I'm with you. This is gonna be a level of randomness that's maybe a little bit more volatile than what you're looking for. Yeah, there's there's gonna be a, a small amount of news and then people are going to take in that data differently than everyone else. And I, I'm just going to have to like make my best guess. Like basically like I, I want everyone on the same page. I want there to be like months of people having to play with and against scam in RCQs to know that like all the good people are going to play scam. Then I can make decisions, right? Yeah. Can we, all right, let's, let's, let's do, do you want, can we do some hypotheticals? Sure. Look at this. Let, Look how much let's say, let's say it's Karn and Geo. 
I was going to start with the number of cards that you think will be banned. Okay. Um, so if I set the line at like, I can set the line and you can take over under or we can switch three and a half. I would take the under on that based on the announcement. I also don't know if you want to like just do a clean subtraction of one. Like say they. they Card is banned. Like they made that clear. Yeah. Say they ban three cards, but then they unban a card. Well, that's four changes. So yeah, maybe it's changes, not just uh, bans. Okay. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So on changes, 3.5 is a pretty good line. And if we're just we're just pioneer at this point, right? We're not yes. moving to modern yet. Yeah. Yeah. Modern, who cares? Modern is dead to me until, you know, mid January. I don't care. Well, yeah, I want to talk about it, but we'll get there. We will. So somewhere in the three point five, do you think three point five is a good line if it's if it's changes, total changes? If it's changes, yeah. If it was just bannings, I would take the under pretty easily because it sounded like two. Um, and then Maybe they do a third, but I I doubt it because I don't think the Quintorius decks are as scary as the Geo ones, and I don't think like they didn't really say anything about Lotus Field. It didn't sound. Do Do you think Fable is on the chopping block? I doubt it. I I don't think Fable has the same amount of proliferation it did in Standard. Oh, it definitely doesn't. I just like one of my hypotheses was that Rakdos was suppressive to a lot of other strategies that might otherwise be good against things like Lotus Field. Yeah, but Fable in in the decks that aren't Rakdos, I think Fable does a lot of good work. I agree. I agree. But if you want to knock Rakdos down a peg, I don't know how you do it without hitting Fable. Yeah, because you know, like Thoughtseize is a focal point of the format. It's like a, a primary selling point, right? Like you're not yeah, going to do something like yeah. that. Uh, so yeah, they, they could do that, but I think the fact that it, it really does prop up like any sort of like fires deck or a dingmatic incarnation or like Omnath bring the light thing, like Fable mostly does good work in Pioneer, honestly. Yeah. It's just, I do think that there's an element of Rakdos mid range suppresses a bunch of these aggressive decks that would otherwise punish these combo decks that are like choosing to ignore your side of the board. Yeah. Right. So if we can find a way to knock Rakdos out, one of the hypotheses could be that the format gets a little bit healthier because those aggro decks come back, they knock things like Lotus Field out, and then we start to interact with each other more and not ignore each other. That's fair, but a thing that they also talked about in the announcement was that they don't want to make like four or five bands at once because it is hard to actually figure out whether or not the stuff that they did worked. Fair. You know? So yeah. if if they look at it like, oh, we'll ban Geo because maybe even the numbers are not even that great for it, but like it is still early, like those decks have yet to been figured out. For the most part, but yeah, that would remind me of like Philidar Guardian. We're like clearly powerful, didn't actually have that good of results, yeah, but still was just like clearly a problem. Clearly a problem, and also just you know pretty pretty unfun to play against. One card combo, yeah, Pro- probably should not exist. You know, uh, Tybalt's trickery is gone for a lot of the same reason. So I think that that is pretty safe. They certainly talked uh, about Karn and oh, Karn's gone. 
Yeah. So I think I think that those two are pretty easy its. And then at that point, what do you think? You know, the format looks like well, it's probably like Rakdos, Blue White, Lotus, and then aggro decks and random mid range decks, random weirdo combo decks like creativity stuff like that, and uh, Phoenix. I don't know if I said that, but that's a pretty obvious one too. So yeah. I, I think all of that is fine, whereas maybe Lotus becomes the outlier. But I think as long as you only have like one villain to fight against, I think that's okay. It's weird because those decks, like Mono Green, is basically non-existent right now. So using one of our bands on that, I get why and the logic and all of that. And like maybe it needs to go so that decks that try to go over the top or bigger than things can exist. Yeah. Right. But if you look at the RC results, even just from the last weekend, like hitting those cards doesn't actually hit hardly any of the decks that did well. Yeah. And I, I will say that like Geo has something to do with that, at least in the most recent weeks. But even before that, Mono Green plummeted. Yeah. So I don't know like, how much of that is actual win rate versus like just fatigue you know people kind of getting like sick of playing with it or whatever and there's that sort of like gentleman's agreement like oh we're just not going to do this anymore or whatever probably a combination of both but i don't know maybe if if they think that they just ban geo and go back to the way that things were and that was not super great or super healthy or whatever then I mean, dude, I'm, I'm not going to argue against them banning like Karn or Nykthos or whatever. Like, I, I think that that is just net good for the format for a lot of different reasons. But. Yeah, I agree. I agree with all that. I mean, the two RCs this weekend, one in Canada and one in South America. The Canadian one had a Geodeck in the top eight or two of the Geodecks in the top eight and five Phoenix decks and a Rakdos midrange. Yeah. Five Phoenix. That's, That's a lot. kind of... That's kind of crazy. And I guess there's two Geodecks. So that's a thing. And then the South American one had a Geodeck. That won, right? I think it won, but I'm also like seeing who won on Melee. It's like, you know, it doesn't really show you that too easily. Yeah. So asterisk that. I'm not sure. Um, and then a Green Devotion. So the bands would hit two decks in both of the top eights. And meanwhile, there's like a deck that had five copies in one of the top eights that's not getting touched, which, you know, that r- results are not the only reason to ban stuff. And I'm not saying that for a second. It's just, it, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. I agree. And I mean, Phoenix was the best deck at one point, basically went down to zero for, for quite a while. And now it is back to being like a good deck. I, I think that it is reasonable for you to want to let that play out for a little bit, but it's weird because if it were up to me, I would probably not have dig and cruise legal in the format, but they have kind of stressed that that is a fundamental part of pioneer and something that they intend to keep intact. Yeah. I mean, those cards don't exist in any of the other formats. So that might be something unique that you can get from pioneer. Yeah, it is novel. And it's like, okay, this is like Blue's identity in the format is this thing. And and that is kind of cool. But it just means that, well, you're not going to touch Cruise because you want to keep that sort of thing around. Even if you want to hit Phoenix, what would you do? You know, like, 
kind of the problem is the fact that things like opt consider sleight of hand were all like pretty recent additions to the format, you know? Yeah. Like I, what I will say is I think there's a pretty common sentiment that like pioneer ain't great. It's very rare that somebody makes an argument that pioneer is awesome. So I will embrace anything. Same. Literally any change. Good. Right. And like my ask of everybody would be like, let's just try more things until we get to a point that it's good. And if anybody has any great ideas about what that direction should be, I'm all ears. But I think in general, we're all just guessing. And all we can agree on is that where we currently are is not where we want to be. Agreed. And I do like their approach of like, yeah, maybe there are like five cards that we don't like. But let's just do it with two, see how that plays out. And then if we need to get like a third or fourth, then we'll do that. Yeah. What I really liked from the announcement or like the the interview, it wasn't really an announcement, right? It was kind of like a 45 minute long interview. Yeah. It was they kind of walked back some of the state or at least from what my understanding of some of the statements they made a few months back around the new banning cadence where I got nervous. They were only going to make bands once a year. And that makes, that puts a lot of pressure on getting them right and doing a whole bunch of things at one time. And yesterday they doubled down on, no, that's really for standard. Right. And standard bands you can expect when sets rotate. And the other formats, though, can be a little bit more volatile. And that's okay. And I think yeah. that's really good because I do think to get Pioneer from where it is to where it needs to be is going to take a few tries. Agreed. Especially if if something happens like right now where like a set comes out and it's like, oh, we didn't really know that this was going to be a thing. Like this is clearly a problem. Like you need that flexibility to be able to just, you know, pull the ripcord on it. Yeah. It's um, it's not an easy thing to do. So I think that giving uh, more tools available, especially for some of the non-rotating formats to be able to pull levers and strings more frequently is important. And I think giving the stability for standard like they're describing, I think is good. So I think the direction we're heading is a positive one, but the bar is low. Agreed. But again, uh, this this was good. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. This was a very pleasant surprise to to be able to tune into today, you know? Yeah. Um, any guesses on modern? No idea. I mean, scam has got to be hit, right? I mean, I, I would think so, but I also don't... Like, clearly, you can look at public opinion and realize that a lot of people are finding this not particularly fun. Yeah. Right? I think a lot of my statements are true for Pioneer and Modern, where... What's broken is more debatable, but the fact that it's broken is pretty widely agreed upon. Yeah. So if you hit grief and or fury, uh, I I think that that is reasonable. If you take action past that, I don't know. I know that uh, a few times they brought up like unbannings in uh, both formats and how a lot of that stuff is still on the table and everything. And like, that's cool, too. It's weird because there's probably quite a few cards in both formats that could be unbanned that wouldn't actually, that aren't a problem. But expecting them to actually have an impact on what people are doing in the format is a totally different thing. 
So if yeah. your goal is to like shake the format up, it, on banning things, I don't I think is dangerous and risky. But if your goal is to have a really small ban list, yeah, there's probably a bunch of things you can just take off that just don't matter. I agree, but they they also talked about the inherent risk reward of such things and how, yeah, you could be pretty sure that like this thing is going to be fine. Yeah, but, but what if it's not? Yeah, but what if it's not? Exactly. So, uh, honestly, dude, over the last few years, I think the unbanning stuff that they have done has been on point, very good, and uh, they've been doing a good job with it, and it's happened at a frequency that I'm pretty happy with. Yeah, I think Preordain's probably the best unban I've ever seen. Yeah. Right? Just yeah. like, yo, people play that card, and no one complains about it for even a second. People... In fact, go out of their way to play that card. Yeah, they probably play it more than they should. Yes. Yeah. But like, that's what an unban should look like, right? And like, what an unban should not look like is obviously Golgari Grave Troll. Correct. Which is like, yo, that's either going to do nothing or it's going to break the format. And neither one of those is a good thing. Yeah, I mean, Mind's Desire did nothing except like get people excited for a bit. Yeah. So, and I think that's the one that's kind of good, but much lower risk. I don't want to celebrate that like the preordained one. No, no, it's it's certainly not the same camp. The preordained one was excellent. I thought. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Ponder and preordained died because they were rightfully concerned about Right of Flame, Seething Song, Splinter Twin, Blazing Shoal, like all these combo things that just aren't. They don't exist in the format anymore. Yeah, it took them. They tried to hit a bunch of things all at once. And each of those things eventually got their time, regardless of those cantrips. Yeah. So now it is a time where, like, we get considered and it's like, oh, is this going to be a problem? And it's like, no, there's just like no combo stuff that you can do with these things, really. Yeah. You know, like through the breach, like, all right, buddy, like, go nuts. (laughs) Good luck. You you have fun with that. Uh, So, you know, Prudane comes off like, I, I imagine Ponder is in the conversation. Yeah. So I'm going to try to summarize what I think you're guessing is like some combination of three to four changes in Pioneer, bans and unbans. I I think two with a potential unban, but it could be two with no. Got it. So, yeah, I, I think I'm still taking the under on 3.5, but it's definitely closer when you factor in all changes. Yeah, if it's just bands, maybe the line is 2.5. Yeah. Um, or maybe it's two, right? And you, you could pick the line. Because, like, yeah. they kind of suggested there's two. Agreed. But they did. They talked about on bands, too. So it's entirely yeah. possible that that could happen. I just... There, there are things on the list that I think could come off, but they're all, like, pretty scary. And I think that like banning stuff with a week and a half before a big tournament is already bad enough. And if you add an unban, it's, it's probably like too much. I'm rooting for it. I'm rooting for it eventually. Well, I'm, just, I'm not playing in this tournament. I'm just at home, right? With my popcorn. So, you know, yeah. I'm che- I want, I want all the chaos. You're playing the cons of Tarkir arena open buddy. That yeah. Weekend. You're darn That's right. I am. Uh, for, for modern, honestly, if it was just like ban fury, the end, I would not be shocked. Yeah, I could see that. Do you think there's a chance that Bowmaster is on the chopping block? It's possible. 
I mean, Renan Six did a very good job of keeping one toughness things in check alongside Fury, and then you add Bowmaster on top of that, and then suddenly it's just like Ragavan is the only thing good enough that is still able to survive, and that's like just barely, you know? Yeah. And so if if they do like grief instead of fury, I could see going after Bowmaster. Andrew Andrew did say that like they don't uh factor in whether or not like a set is in print versus when they make band decisions, but like that did not do, used to always be the case. Yeah, I was going to say do you believe him? I I don't think that he would lie. Yeah. Let me rephrase because that that you're right. I put I'm putting the burden on him specifically. Do you think that's true? Because like he could just be saying from his perspective or whatever, right? Uh, I mean, yes, in theory, but also I think that he is high enough up where like his perspective might be the perspective. Yeah, his opinion might matter more than any other one person. Yeah, were and- you ever in any band? talks when you were at wizards oh yeah dude i have, I have a i have a great bnr story actually <laughs> were, were they frequent or were they rare and how did they work were they like well, kind of organic or were there like structure to them so i was only there for six months and i'll i'll, I'll tell this in a second let me finish this real quick because right. uh omnath got printed and it was a nightmare in standard and they put it off for a while, and then eventually BNR announcement came out. They banned Uro. And from what I can gather, the rationale for just not banning Omnath was because it was a mythic from an imprint standard set. So at the very least, around that time, that was that was not how they thought about things. That was a big variable. And for whatever it's worth, like I think it probably should be a variable. Yeah, but. I'm not. I'm not saying it's like bad of them to like not do that or whatever. But then, then Dan used like Oko and Omnath as being like pretty recently banned after they got printed as like counterexamples to that. And it's like, well, no, like you eventually had to ban Omnath because like you banned Uro, which removed Sultai Control from the metagame, which was the only deck that was good against Omnath, and then the Uro banning just made Omnath a better deck. So eventually, you had to ban Omnath. Yeah, and that was probably a relatively short-sighted one, but um, it was like not banning cards that are worth money in new sets, just even as a precedent-setting thing and not just for a current state thing, I think is an important thing it's, to consider. Yeah, it sucks so bad when they have to do it. I get it. I get not wanting to do it. but Yeah, like, it should be a variable is my point, right, yeah. in my opinion. And, and also, uh, things were trending this way at the time, but it wasn't as much as it is now, we're like standard is not driving the secondary market for recent sets. It is very much commander, right? Yeah. So say, I don't know, like, you know, Fable, Fable was like a, a $25 card when it eventually got banned, but that's because it was just in all of the decks. And, you know, granted it was, it was also a rare, you know? Um, so like it being $25 is actually a lot. But that's that's kind of like a, a rare case, I think, where most of the time the card that you're banning in standard is not going to be like a $25 thing. Unless in the case of like Meat Hook, it is also a commander card. Yeah, Meat Hook was like $70 and that was almost 
they were banning it because it was expensive, right? But I mean, no, but it like it, it was kind of nice, honestly, because like, yeah, it gets banned. It goes down to like 50. But because of Commander and the demand for just that card in general, the you don't lose a whole lot. Yeah, for me, at least not playing standard at the time and like considering dabbling like it drastically reduced the barrier for entry, which I found appealing. Oh, I yeah, I bought like every card around it. And I still don't own meat hooks. Because I was like, well, if I ever go to a tournament, like I can just get the Mythic Rare on site from a vendor. Like someone is going to have them, right? Yeah. But they're not going to necessarily have like past apparel or whatever. Fair. It's going to be but an exciting week. It will. Uh, so my, my BNR story. Um, This was before the Sean McLaren PT. I believe the Jacob Wilson PT, but sure. No one, no one remembers second place, man. I'm sorry. That's all I remember. This is as someone who got second place once. <laughs> no one yeah. remembers. At least you got second after you got a win. True. Yeah, Jacob, you're messing yeah. up. Yeah, you're messing up. Well, I got my heart ripped out when Jacob lost to Sean. So, so let's continue. I think it was before that pro tour and twin is still legal. It's modern conversations. It's modern conversations. What we wanted to do was ban twin and pod. And then there was thought of what happens to the format at that point. And then it became ban uh, also, Mox Opal and another card. I don't remember what the other card was. I mean, Pod stands out as like nonsensical in like a vacuum, right? If you talk to somebody who was like not around for this time, like Mox Opal and Splinter Twin being legal is like pretty clearly problematic. If I told you those those are a problem, yeah. But, like, yo, Birthing Pod is like not the same power level as those. Yeah. So. We decided to ban four cards. We had a meeting and everyone was like pretty on board with this. We were all like pretty happy about it. And then the next day it got around to like the rest of the office that this is what was happening. And the, I I don't know like who exactly was involved in this, but it was like fourth floor people, like branded marketing people got wind that we were banning four cards and they did not like that. Uh, and basically just told us that we couldn't. So then instead we un- ended up unbanning two cards, which I believe were Nakato and Bitter Blossom. So those were like token unbans. Yeah, I mean, they were they were still scary. Yeah, the, I think those are like not, those are safe but bold unbans. Those words are kind of... They, they were, on, but you get what I mean. They were incredibly safe in hindsight, and we probably should have known better. It was just pretty hard when you've had to deal with like a decade of those cards existing. Like they seem yeah. scary to you, yep. right? Yep. And that's fair. That's fair. Not listen, unbanning any of these cards is not easy, but Nicodle and Bitter Blossom, both of the decks that played those cards while being oppressive at different points, are like more honest and fair magic. No, they are for sure. Right. And do you, re- do you remember what the four cards that were going to get banned were? You mentioned two of them. 
Twin Pod Mox Opal and then something else. I don't remember the something oh, else. Oh, third Mox Opal. Mox Opal just should have been banned from like the beginning of time, but Yeah, it was, I mean it was it's pretty cracked. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like Spirit Guide was one of the cards that like continued to be exist and I, I or continued to exist. And I was just like, this is gonna go at some point, right? So like we just we just do this now. Yeah. Let's just get this out of the way. Yeah. But that's so you just described a situation of fourth floor marketing people that are not focused on the quality of a format, but more on the perception of the actions, like having a pretty sizable veto power over what decisions get made. Yeah, but that was that was then and this is now. And I, I think that like there's been some fourth floor interference uh in, in terms of things like OCO where uh they would have they would put like the mythic rares on this board and then people could just like walk by and like read them and leave notes like this doesn't feel very mythic. Like this would be more appealing if it had this text. Like I don't really, you know, like this power and toughness. This one's my favorite, whatever, you know, like whatever you want to write, whatever jumps out at you, whatever your first thoughts are. Right. I mean, I kind of like what you're describing, but continue. It, it is cool. I do like it. I like it a lot, especially just getting eyes on these cards for people who do not look at them every day. Also, just like creating a culture in a building where it's like, yo, we care about what everybody thinks. Yeah. Uh, but but I think at some point uh, that that board may or may not have had something to do with like Oko's last minute uh, redesign and then them not testing it all that much because they just didn't have time. Yeah. Whoops. So, you know. But I don't remember what was going on at the time where it would be like so disastrous for us to ban four cards. I think it was like standard was definitely in the shit because of uh, like pack rat type of stuff. And there were like other reasons for that, which we had gone a long way to fixing uh, by that point because I'd been there for a few months by then. And like Wizards was actually doing FFL stuff again when previously like they kind of weren't. So... Yeah, it's kind of weird you're only being there for six months because like most of the changes and things you touch, like bans are the kind of the only thing you can touch that affects things immediately. Every other change takes years right. to yeah. have an impact. Yeah. And the the ban stuff, it like, I don't know, people just largely agreed that something should change and, you know, like the, the cards that we wanted to ban at that point did eventually end up getting banned, right? So it's not like we were off base or anything, but like I wasn't driving that discussion or anything. It was just like, yeah, I'll participate. I'll give my thoughts or whatever. But it definitely was like largely did not have much to do with me. And then certainly like the decision post meeting after we had decided, like I I wasn't even really looped in on that, that I recall. It was just oh. like, oh, we can't do that? Okay, someone else decide like what to do. And then it was just like, all right, we're unbanning these, I guess. I was like, okay. Yeah, it's surprising to me of you can't ban four cards and then we ban nothing. But maybe that is like given the dynamic of how we got to four. Well, did something get banned with the, the Coddle thing? I'm going to look I don't think up. so. I played in that Pro Tour. I don't recall anything crazy happening. And honestly, the the article might not even be published still, given the current state of their website. Oh, this is when Deathrite was banned. 
Okay, so announcement date, February 3rd, 2014. That lines up because I left in March. So Death Rite was the other card that, that got banned. That makes total sense. So Death Rite and Mox Opal both cheat the mana system. So those I are mean, fair like, game. Twin and Pod do effectively also. That's right? fair. Where they just I mean, like combo kill you. Yeah, I mean, Pod never really combo killed you in reality, but they could. Yeah, so I think I think it was like Death Rite, Twin, Pod, Mox Opal. And Mox Opal was very much just kind of like caught in in the aftermath where it was like, well, this is probably going to be a problem, so we're going to have to do this. Even yeah. though it's like definitely not a problem now. Uh, and then, yeah, instead of banning the other cards, it was like, okay, you can ban Death Rite Shaman, but you should unban stuff if you want to make changes to the format. So Interesting. I'm excited for next week. I am too. I mean, I I don't think that things like this happen very often anymore, you know, uh, where like they, they make a decision and then some like random dude with a title just says like, no, you can't. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's maybe not as exciting as this stuff, but uh, it is, it is good. I do like it. Maybe we do a, a Monday episode next week. I mean, I'm down. Yeah, let me see if I can swing that. That'd be fun. We can record right after the announcements. I don't want to think about them too much. I'd love to just talk about them immediately. Yeah, that sounds good to me. And then we can start putting me to work. I got this this Rakdos deck that I'll just be gold fishing for a week. Yeah, step one is convince you to register. Register for the event? Yeah. For, for an LCQ? P- prior to these announcements, you were 50-50 on playing LCQs. Um, I was going to at least play one. I I was definitely less than 50-50 towards like, I am going to try my heart out to qualify. That's fair. But like, it's, I, I really wanted to qualify. So for Denver, once you qualified, I was like, I'll get there eventually. I'm in no rush. And then when the clock started ticking, I was like, oh shit, I got to get on this. And then I was kind of like feeling some pressure. But for Atlanta, I don't feel that way because I yeah. don't have I don't have a Dave there with me, uh, you know, to to play along with. Right. Well, part of the fun too is the prep together, right? So yeah. it's it's not just about the destination; it's about the journey. Exactly. So Denver is going to be dope, uh, but just riding solo for Atlanta for the most part, I don't give a shit. Yeah. I hope it's fun. I hope I can like do some stuff where I feel like I'm making good decisions in regards to deck selection and like sideboarding plans and all that jazz, all the normal stuff. But in terms of winning, it's like, eh. Yeah, it's hard because cost is not even qualified either, right? You guys are both LCQing. Yeah, so that means I'll probably just be trying to scoop to him any chance I get. Yeah, god damn it. <laughs> What are you so nice? He hung out with us on Friday and he took a good picture of us. Yeah, he drove to see us. You're so nice. He deserves a concession for that. Mm. Mm. I don't like this word deserves. Oh, I hate that word. <laughs> Nobody deserves anything. Yeah. All right. Early episode next week. All right, deal. Twist my arm. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> just, just sitting here. Let's do it. All right. Is there anything else we've got to talk about in regards to like us hanging out? I mean, probably. It was a long week. It was a good week. 
It was you, real good. You I made a fun. new best friend in Leo. I did. My homie. Yeah. My little guy. He's fun, man. He is fun. I mean, look, kids are are pretty great when they are not yours. And at some point, you just like re- relinquish control of them back to their parents. Fair. I feel the same way about cats and dogs. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, a lot of that is true, too. Um, but I I certainly feel it with children where it's like, yo, I can be your I can be your best friend for an hour. That's that's no problem because I know I don't have to do this 24 seven. Yeah. And I I never had a dog, but I, I had a lot of roommates with dogs that I loved. Yeah. And then I would yell, yo, your dog shit on the floor. Yep. But but you yell that instead of cleaning it up yourself. Exactly. Way different. <laughs> yeah. Way different. different. I'm just like, hey, Dave, your kid yeah. smells like poo. I yeah. think your kid pooed his pants. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Change his diaper. Yeah. But I ain't doing that. Yeah. I'll I'll spray the Febreze or whatever. You know, I can do that, I guess. Fair. Fair. But yeah, man. Good time. Looking forward to Hartford. Uh, Come to Atlanta with me. Uh, Not this time, but the next time, you know. Yeah, I will. Right. 38 weeks pregnant's a tough sell, especially given Denver on the tail side of said birth. Yeah, man, I'm not I'm not not trying to do this one. You should stay home for this one. Yeah, I told Janet my boss demanded that I come to Atlanta, so in April, in yeah. April. Fair, fair, fair. Listen, Janet and I have to be friends, okay? Yeah. You can't you can't use me as the excuse. You can't use me as like the villain. Can't it be a both? bad idea? Can it be both? You and Janet being friends actually gives me more leverage in that circumstance. How so? Well, because if you guys are friends, she doesn't want to let you down. She now feels some level of interest in delivering on what's in what you're looking for. Okay, but I feel like that is maybe going to create some tension between us. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely I, will. That I certainly did <laughs> not put doubt. Yeah. <laughs> we can overcome that tension, though. That's not a deal breaker. I believe that you believe that. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, next week, Monday. Let's do it. Game. Good luck.